My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. If you look into the crisis in Canada's healthcare systems, you'll learn it comes down to basically one thing. We need people. We need highly trained people, and we need them quickly. Doctors and nurses who have given all of themselves through two years of this pandemic are leaving the profession. Not only are we still battling COVID, we also have an aging population and long-term care facilities are desperately understaffed. And of course, we now have ICUs and emergency rooms running on skeleton crews and in some cases, not running at all. If only there were thousands of doctors and nurses who were as desperate to work in those long-term care facilities and ERs and ICUs as we are to get them in there. Oh, wait. Today, Sylvia Jones, the new Minister of Health, who has been heavily criticized for not publicly addressing the issue earlier, issued these directives to the College of Nurses and the College of Physicians, giving them two weeks to develop plans to register internationally educated nurses and doctors as soon as possible. We're throwing everything in the kitchen sink at this. Acknowledging the problem and finding a potential solution is a good start, finally. But there's not actually much in that ministerial directive, except figure it out. So why has that been so difficult? Why has it been so hard to register international doctors and nurses in Ontario for the past two years? Or the past 10 or 20 or 50 years, for that matter? Why can other countries do this? Yet we can't. What does that regulation process look like right now? Well, come with us today on a journey to where governmental and medical bureaucracy meet. As you might imagine, there are an awful lot of tests and forms and fees and not a lot of actual medicine being practiced. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Dr. Shafi Buian is an assistant professor at the Dalalana School of Public Health. He is an internationally recognized leader in global health training, research, and education. And he is a founder and sits on the board of directors of the Canadian Association of Global Health. Hello, Dr. Buian. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for joining us today. It's an important time to discuss this. Let's start with what's happening right now. How badly are more healthcare workers needed here in Ontario, but also across Canada? Like, how, how bad is this? So, healthcare need is increased in Canada over the period of times. On the other hand, our workforce is decreasing. Is a clear imbalance? Why is that? Because of we have an aging population. And we have a demographic shift. Mm-hmm. We need uh, more healthcare services. But in contrast, our healthcare level force is decreasing. Example, 
about 13 to 15% nurses is leaving the job. If we talk about the long-term care, the staff shortage is just obvious. So therefore, we have a serious issue now in Canada, in Ontario. Bottom line is we are below standard of the G8 countries if we compare with other countries. And we spend the same amount of money Japan spent, like 10% of GDP, but our health system outcome is still in, in crisis. So therefore, I'm hearing uh, outcry, I'm hearing and uh, frustration of the health professionals, and there is a real crisis there. Problem is there, we just need to acknowledge, and we can find a solution, of course. Well, let's start with one of the potential solutions. Um, the Ontario government in particular is looking at ways to increase the number of healthcare workers quickly. And this has a lot to do with licensing internationally trained workers. How fast are they proposing to do this and what changes are they looking at? So historically, if you study the last couple of years, underutilization of international health professionals is obvious. In Canada, 25.5% immigrants health professionals are working in Canadian healthcare sector. 47% of the total internationally trained health professionals are sidelined. Only 41% nurses from trained from abroad is working. Mm. In contrast, uh, if we compare with the nurses and the doctors, very limited number of the doctors are working in the family practice. If I give you an example, 25% of the Family physicians working in, in Canada is uh, internationally trained physicians. WHO mentioned that uh, over the few, few more years, the uh, world will be in serious crisis, like 18 million healthcare workforce in shortfall. Well, USA, UK, Australia, New Zealand, as attracting internationally trained physicians and health professionals, we are a little bit behind uh, uh, of this race. Why are we so far behind? That is uh, several factor working here. The process and the complexity makes it really delayed. It is our system which is built or in place 50 or 100 years ago. But over the last 50 years, as I said, demography shift um, and then uh, aging uh, population increase, all these things. But we are not updated our system to incorporate this extra health force which is already is here. And our politicians, our healthcare leaders, and the associations should work together to find the solution. Ontario Health Force need to be restructured and how we should recruit, how we should keep these people to keep working. And that's why the process of licensure or, or certification we need to address because these skilled, experienced health professionals are not utilized. If you want me to go through how the process work, then you will understand easily uh, is, is a process. We need to reimagine, re, um, uh, refocus or readjust to make it happen, to bring this workforce in the system. I want to get you to do that in one minute. First, I want to make a point here, though, because you mentioned it to me before we began this interview. You yourself are an internationally trained physician, but you chose not to go through the process here in Canada. Why? <laughs> yes, this is very interesting. You know what? I'm not only one person. If you think about the overall, maybe 15,000 or 13,000 internationally trained physicians here, 
about 60% is not interested to go to this route because it's complex, it's cumbersome, and it's not so easy to, um, to move on. That's why many of, uh, uh, of ITMDs or ITPs or IMGs, whatever acronym you use, are not ready to go. But 40%, at least, they are interested, and we are, we are witness that they also cannot achieve the goal due to the complexity of the process. Let's talk about the process then uh, in detail, because I think this is what people don't understand when they hear uh, Ontario's education minister, just for instance, I know other provinces are are considering this too, talking about, you know, streamlining the process. We need to get these highly trained uh, doctors, nurses, et cetera, working into hospitals. You instruct these students uh, in your day job so tell us, let's let's say uh, I've arrived from, from Bangladesh, where you came from, or, or from another country that has a surfeit of doctors and nurses. What do I have to do to be able to work in Ontario? Very, very good questions. Uh, when you landed as an immigrant, they must go through the CPSO. When I say CPSO, it means the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario. The candidate must uh, meet the following criteria. Number one. The degree they, they, uh, they acquire, they should be acceptable according to the WHO uh, recognized uh, organizations. They should pass the MCC, Medical Council of Canada exams. And after that, they have to certify it by the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons or the College of Physicians of Canada, CFPC. Then they, they can apply for this process. And the completion of this uh, one-year postgraduate training or two-year residency is, is mandatory before the practice. And you have to have a Canadian citizen to do that. So if I go one by one, uh, more detail. So if you have a degree in outside Canada, which is accredited by the uh, uh, World Directory of Medi Medical Schools, then you should go for source verification. Mm. And source verification could be done by physicianapply.ca. Once you do that, then you are uh, eligible to apply for your Medical Council of Canada qualifying exam. And you apply for the qualifying exam, and then you, sh you should be uh, sitting or waiting for MCCQE1. It means that Medical Council of Canada qualifying exam part one. Uh, luckily, Canadian um, uh, system eliminate the MCCQE2 exam in last June 2021. Mm. This makes it a little bit easier, but this LMCC designation, you need to pass this exam uh, with high score, and then you have to go to other exam like uh, uh, the, the Royal College of Physicians to qualify your designation. And you have to obtain CFPC, it is College of Physicians of Canada uh, uh, accreditation. To do that, you have to go through the, uh, the certification from RCPC or you have to do the family medicine exam uh, so that postgraduate training, et cetera, et cetera. Uh -huh. After that, CPSO uh, asks you to, uh, to, to have a one-year active medical practice. Uh, we call it a residency of practice to prove. And then you can apply for uh, residency uh, for two years. And that is the uh, hurdle for many immigrant health professionals because this matching is done by Canadian resident matching services. And if you want to apply, you have to have a three criteria. Again, again, the same thing. You have to be approved medical school, which is 
you you study. You have to have a proof of language proficiency in English or French, and you have also have a qualified exam and Nakoski exam uh, uh, done. Once you have those things, and uh, then you have to wait for the interview by the each medical school. Uh, um, so for your residency things, here is the interesting thing. You need to think about. I finished my MCQU one and Nakoski exam, but it's not guaranteed you will get it because when you go for interview or selection process, high score on MCC's, MCC's exam is required and professional practice experience is required. Past performance in the medical school is need to be proven. Excellent communication skill and a couple of reference letters complete the professional uh, application process fully and interview performance should be high. So all these factor, if you are successful enough, then you can be accepted for residency by the CPSO regist registration process and you can work uh, as, a, as, a, as a physician. But if I want to just summarize these things, I know it's very long and detailed. First, as a physician, you came to this country you have to source ver verification process, which cost you money, 500 to 600 or more money. Next, you have to go to mandatory licensing exam, QE1, Nakoski, which costs 3000 to $4,000. Mm -hmm. Then you have to wait for uh, interview for uh, Ontario Provincial Match or other match program. Also, you have to apply and you have to pay money, $350 plus $50 for each program. So you have to practice it with some agency organizations, a thousand or two thousand dollar you need to spend for preparation of these things. If you got lucky, then you will get it. Imagine you have a two thousand people apply and only twenty two hundred people get accepted. And twenty twenty was the luckiest year. Four hundred eighteen people was accepted, and then uh, on the other one, the the Canadian graduate. All, almost uh, 3,000, 2,895 Canadian graduate were recruited. So you could imagine two to 400 graduates on ITM, ITPs recruited for from the pile of 2,000. And on the other hand, uh, from the 3,000 people, uh, they apply from the Canadian graduates, they got 2,895. So this is a system um, issue here, uh, but there is a we, I'm always hearing from my students, there is a hidden criteria, such as most program preferred the fresh graduates. It is not mentioned in the description, but there's a trend that obvious special, especially the specialists like psychiatry, neurology, all sorts of things. So that's what I think uh, you and your, your listener uh, all understood. The process is there, but it's not uh, fair to the international trained physicians who has lot of wealth of experience, but it's not um, utilized. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. 
I understand the need to make sure that internationally trained physicians uh, are properly equipped to practice medicine in Canada. So obviously there needs to be a licensing process. Yeah. But what you just described um, sounds incredibly taxing. And, mm. you know, let's be serious about this. These are immigrants coming to Canada from another country. Often, I am assuming they have families to support. I don't know how they can spend all that time and all that money uh, while also supporting those families. Like, what are we talking about at the end of the day here in terms of time and money just to get through this process if you are lucky enough to be accepted? Oh, yeah. So usually, uh, if you are you are new to Canada, it took a couple of years to understand the process because there's not direct, clear um, pathway who can direct them what to do, where to go, what to do. There's a, first of all, they get lost. And is they also, second is they're discouraged by the other peer group because they have a bad experience. They just have this experience they share, they got frustrated. Right. And imagine, uh, as, I, as you can remember, there is a clause or there is a, a essential needs of recency of practice. Imagine I am here for two years, three years, and to understand the process, and I passed the exam, but I was not called for interview because I haven't I, I lost the recency of practice. So it, it's not making any sense. You are Canadian, you are right. here, they're asking me, last one year, your recency of practice, but I'm here for three years or 13 years, but how can I have a practice uh, uh, experience because you never give me the opportunity to do that. How does this compare to our peer countries? You mentioned uh, Japan. I yeah. know you've also worked in Japan. How How is it different in other countries? So imagine the UK, USA, Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, all the country, they are well advanced than us and they have an open exam system. So anybody can go and uh, sit their exam like in the US, you can stay in Bangladesh and you can write your ESMLE 1, 2 exam, and you got um, approved, and you apply for visa, and you go and you for license. And uh, and it's same the UK, same the Australia. But we are the Canadian, we are the different. We call it Canadian style. You are here, and you apply, and you are not accepted. That is the difference between our G7 or, uh, or other OECD countries. So our system is not straightforward, and even in the COVID, the USA, UK, they expedite the process. So once you have a qualified exam done, then you come and join us. They're calling, open call. But we Canadians are struggling and our system is still close the door. But our ITMDs or ITPs are looking for the window right. because all doors are closed for us. If you have the system in place, I think these people are brilliant. These people are Canadian. They are our taxpayer. They should have an equal opportunity to get in. Above and 50% of the citizens of this country is immigrant. So, but only 25% immigrant physicians are able to work in the system. That's why we are also creating another problem, how we can provide the culturally respectful services mm -hmm. to the, the immigrants that are coming, they deserve and equity deserve population. They're looking for a physician. They're not getting physician. In having this kind of crisis, I think we should be serious now. Just so I understand this correctly, um, the Minister of Health in Ontario and other hospital executives have not yet made any changes. They've just urged people to get to the table and solve this. Is that what's going on right now? I, I just give you an example. We wrote a letter to the minister office. We are open to talk to you, to, to consult, to suggest, to support you, but we haven't heard anything yet. Hmm. I know they are very busy, 
But we already proposed uh, three things. So immediately we can solve this issue. Run me through that solution if you don't mind. Yes, okay. So we propose uh, the 4,500 international trained physicians in Ontario is waiting for government directions. And our coalition uh, make a three point uh, measures to solve this issue. Number one, implement practice ready assessment in Ontario. We call it shortly PRA in Ontario. In Canada, most of the province, they have this program, but we don't have it. We need to have a process to start this, this model from the Medical Council of Canada. They should enable the ITPs to be assessed in three month period of, to ensure that they, they meet the competency and safe practice standards. They can apply their skill and training to help backlog of long waiting time. PR has been implemented seven other provinces and it's the time to do in the same in, in Ontario. Number two, we proposed expand access to postgraduate medical education and residency training for ITPs in Ontario. By increasing access to residency seat and postgraduate medical education position for internationally trained physicians in the province. These doctors can meet licensure requirements and fully contribute their experience and training to the healthcare workforce. Number three, enable pathways, as I said before, for ITMDs to practice clinical assistant under the supervision of the limited practice licensure under the CPSO, enabling qualified international trained physicians to practice clinical work as assistant on the pathway to full licensure would allow them to immediately join the healthcare force. Establishing and standardizing this occupation is in Ontario will provide a meaningful stepping stone for international trained physicians uh, to re-enter their profession. So therefore, therefore, I strongly urge the minister and the leaders, we have a long-standing barriers uh, uh, preventing our qualified experienced professionals from contributing to the ongoing healthcare crisis. Let's work together to create a level playing field for all so that Canadians will get the service what they need, the interested physicians will get the job what they're seeking for, and the health professional and healthcare leader and politician can say, we did it. So it's a win-win situation. Let's do it together. Dr. Buyan, thank you so much for this. Uh... I really hope we get some movement on this and quickly. Yes, our survey, public opinion, clearly in favor. 80% of the Canadians are comfortable to receive care from health professionals, who, those who are trained abroad. And 83% of Canadians agree they should be um, uh, in, in place to support our healthcare system. I have no hesitation to request the government, the politicians, the leaders, the associations, please let's come together, work together, and together we can make it happen. And it will be eventually a win-win situation for Canadians, for the health professionals, and for um, politicians. Then we can say, we, together we did it. And I hope I know Canadians are passionate, and they are positive, they are optimistic, and, and I'm thrilled to make it happen. Let's kill, let's heal three birds with one stone. Thank you, Dr. Buyan. Thank you so much. Dr. Shafi Buyan is an assistant professor at the Dalalana School of Public Health. He is an internationally recognized leader in global health training, research, and education. And he is the founder and sits on the board of directors of the Canadian Association of Global Health. That was The Big Story. For more, head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. 
Find us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. Email us anytime, hello at TheBigStoryPodcast.ca. And call us. The phone number is 416-935-5935. We won't answer, but you can leave a message. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. I'm Laura Palmer, host of Island Crime. Season 6, Sweethearts, is the story of three teenage girls who were all murdered in Victoria, Canada, within about 12 months. So she was scared. Something out there scared her. You've just created the playground where predators can really thrive. She was a 16-year-old girl. She was a sweetheart. Listen to Sweethearts at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get podcasts. Find your frequency.